This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. I am Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. If this is the first time you have joined me, thank you so much. It's always my pleasure to be here. This is a two-hour show. It's a a live listener call-in radio show or call me directly. (laughs) which I've had a few calls during the show from my website, which is why I put that phone number on there. Somebody called and, and she said, um, aren't you on the radio? I'm like, yeah, it's a break. <laughs> Get her done. Uh, so you can call me too. You can go to my website, backtothebedroom.ca, and there's a phone number on there. I might answer sometimes. Sometimes I might not. But um, anyway, you can leave me a voicemail if you like, um, because sometimes people are a little uncomfortable about uh, talking about sex and intimacy and their relationships, and it's all private and confidential with me. I'll only write a blog about you, but I'll uh, change your name to protect your guilt. Uh, My blog is Fifty Shades of Pink. It is a blog about vaginal and sexual health as it relates to relationships. I also have another blog uh, called Straight Up, um, but sometimes I post those guy blogs on the women's uh, site as well. Anyway, I'm also the executive director of WIN, a Women's Health Initiative Network. It's a national not-for-profit organization to raise awareness about those taboo subjects that are below the belt for women uh, trying to become the... uh, the number one resource. I don't know if that's going to happen soon, but anyway, we can work towards it. Uh, a resource, an evidence-informed resource for women so they can learn the evidence and the literature and the research and the latest and the greatest and the newest technologies for uterine health, in particular uterine fibroids. And uh, many of you may or may not be aware that um, uterine fibroids can be treated with a medication, Fibrostol. You don't necessarily have to go straight under the knife, uh, which is about, according to a consum- consumer research that uh, we did at Win of about 1,500 women, uh, most about 50% of women were offered surgery, and only about 7% of women were told about Fibrostol, a medication. And so that has um, far-reaching effects because uh, some of the... Um, some of the symptoms of uterine fibroids can be pain and bloating syn- syndromes or the uh, symptoms or the bulking symptoms uh, and also heavy vaginal bleeding. That can lead to anemia. Sometimes women aren't finished having their families, but they're told you've got to have a hysterectomy. And, um, or they may be finished with their family and, and they're told, you know, you, you'll, you need to have a hysterectomy, but you'll you'll have to wait for two to three months. And, you know, if a woman is bleeding, it can lead to fatigue. It can certainly lead to anemia, but you can go on Fibrostol as uh, a medication to decrease the size of the uh, uterine fibroid, decrease the vaginal bleeding. Along with that goes the pain. So it's a very effective treatment uh, for women, but it looks like you'll have to ask your doctor about it. I always say that's uh, a, a good way to go. I don't believe in Dr. Google for medicine, for healthcare, but I do believe in, um, you know, asking some questions if you do see something or hear something or learn about it. So talk to your doctor to see if that's right for you. Also about sexual health. Um, because, you know, where do women go for sexual health? So many women, you know, even in vaginal atrophy or genitourinary syndrome of menopause, people might have a little bit of bleeding and they think automatically that they have cancer when it's actually decreased estrogen receptors in the vagina. Estrogen is the hormone regulator of the vagina, keeps it elastic, keeps it moist, keeps it lubricated, helps you to experience orgasm and, and helps you to have a healthy female sexual response. Uh, and there are a couple of female sexual response cycles that I've certain, I am certain I've educated you about them in the past, 
but uh, it's it's never often enough that uh, you know often women think that. Uh, sexual desire comes first, and that's certainly based on the linear linear model from Masters and Johnson. And then it's um, sexual desire, and then arousal, lubrication, excitement, plateau, orgasm, resolution. But there's another one. It's more of a receptive willingness. I should really do a little segment in this hour on um, low sexual desire because it is one of the most common situations that I see in my clinical practice. So I am going to be talking about um, some of the most common things that I see in my clinical practice or I see for patients. And, and one thing is, is the low sexual desire, the desire discrepancy. And so you get a couple in there and it's generally the guy who's made the appointment because his wife doesn't want to have sex with him as frequently as he would like. And oftentimes there's no issues between like, there's no addiction, there's no uh, anger, there's no uh, exclusion, there's no financial control, you know, and, and often in these couples, like, you know, she's got it all going on. Like she, you know, she's not working outside of the home. She's, you know, her mother might be living in the house. Uh, you know, there's um, the guy will say, um, I'll never cheat on you. I'll never leave you, you know, which I never advise that they should give up their cards that way. But anyway, um, and these women are just like, nah, I just don't feel like having sex. No, I'm not going to. And, you know, but you got to try. And you, and so receptive willingness is, is something um that is akin to uh, responsive desire. So even if you don't feel like it, you just got to do it. And <laughs> that doesn't sound too good. But anyway, just Nike, just do it. I wish I had had that expression. But if you just do it, you'll often find that you become excited and aroused and lubricated. I mean, it's it's difficult in a long-term relationship. And a lot of w- women report boredom or or their partner may have a paunch or may, you know, may not care about exercise. Um, I had a woman who told me that exercise was her sex. I'm like, all right, come on. <laughs> um, but anyway, and she and her husband hadn't had sex for like two years. Um, exercise is not your sex. But anyway, it's it's not a good way. And, and it, it really will break the bond and break the intimacy in a relationship. So responsive desire is you don't feel like doing it, you do it and you enjoy it. And you think, why didn't I do that last night? Why didn't I do that this morning? Um, so I'll, anyway, I'll talk to you about some ways that you can increase your um, playfulness in the bedroom and actually be a better lover for whomever you're with. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that in this um, hour as well. And we're also going to be talking about uh, the digital addiction for of, of mothers and young parents, you know. You don't have your eye on the child when you are texting as you're walking across West Georgia. Anyway, um, so that can have far-reaching and long-term effects on your children. So you want to be very careful with that. You want to connect with your kids, not connecting on online. And so that can also affect your relationship because if your kids are having behavior problems and then you and your partner, husband, wife, whomever are not on the same page, um, that can also lead to behavior issues in children as well. But I, I wanted to say, I, I just wanted to wrap something up um, about, uh, if you were listening in the first half of the program, I was talking about, and I ran out of time, about uh, dying by suicide for gay and bisexual men. And, you know, although they seek mental health um, and, and are often healthier mentally, um, there are still some stigma associated with it, um, and several things account for mental health issues, such as the social isolation and the stigma and the lack of trust in healthcare providers, which just drives me crazy, um, that we, shouldn't, we should not have that at all. 
But, um, you know, there are things that uh, gay and bisexual men can do because oftentimes just coming out uh, will be that event that uh, may lead to hopelessness for them. They may feel like they lost friends or, um, you know, it, it may all start years earlier when they begin to question or seriously question their sexual orientation. And so there's a conflict within and that conflict has been implicated in the lead up to their suicide attempt. So I just want to, just to say, I had, I had forgotten to say, I always like to talk about the subject, but then also give some options for, uh, so that people know that they're not alone and that they don't necessarily have to be hopeless. Um, that, you know, if, if somebody doesn't accept you, they are not worth it. I, I, let me tell you. And, you know, I just think that everybody has value in life. Everybody has something to offer. I mean, you know, you learn so much when you meet new people and hear about their lives and accept everybody. It doesn't matter who people are sleeping with. I mean, it's just absolutely outrageous or who they're attracted to. It doesn't say anything about them. It says something about the person who is discriminatory and the person who is so close minded and so narrow that, um, so, so do not worry about those people. Do not let them rent space in your head for free. That's number one, but that's not like the most, uh, you know, affirming advice, but you know, it's really, um, you know, we don't need, you don't need the acceptance of other people. That's their loss, but you can cope successfully as a gay or bisexual man if you have access to the right resources. So there are certainly therapists that are knowledgeable and affirming, and they provide uh, very helpful therapeutic experiences. You know, when I say, whenever I um, think people have gone through something or they're upset about something, you know, to talk about it, to express your feelings, you release your pain, you know, and you heal, you process it and you heal. Uh, so you, you definitely want to stay away from any counselors who uh, want to change the sexual orientation of you or any of your children or encourage hiding it. You don't want anybody. There's no reason to hide it. This is very unhelpful and can be incredibly damaging. So, um, you know, there's there are things that you can do. You don't have to live that way. Um, you know, you don't have to stick with these masculine norms uh, because they have implications for negative mental health outcomes as well, like anxiety and depression, substance use and abuse and, and poor body image. But, you know, I would, I would say, um, you know, don't, don't be so self-reliant. Um, you don't try not try to look at, see if there's anything numbing your pain, you know, um, you don't have to, um, suffer this alone. And, and, uh, there can be so much shame, but shame is just such a detrimental emotion, and it doesn't um, it doesn't help. Just you know, working toward um, confidence, coming out is a process. Understand that. Um, there's a book called Finally Out: Letting Go of Living Straight. You know, when we hear other people's stories, we we heal. We think I can relate to that. Um, it's it's not a one time event. It is a process, and. Um, you know, not you don't have to come out to every single person. It doesn't have to be a party, but you know, you want to have a a supportive group of family and friends. And if family isn't accepting, um, you know, you may have to just like augment your family and and have a family of choice. And um, so you don't, um, you know, you just want to try and reach out to people who care about you and love you. And you know, if you have less than you know, if you have a handful of uh, people. You can count them on one hand. You're doing darn well. Uh, I am Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. 
Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. We've got a little segment here on healthy parenting, and uh, one of those is technoference. You heard about that? That is when you are plugged into your iPhones, and uh, oftentimes parents will get distracted, quite frankly, um, from caring for their children or raising their children, but there is a big impact when we overuse our iPhones or smartphones, and uh, there's some research out of Illinois State University that talks about the smartphone addiction could be harming your children. And uh, this research found that parents who say they struggle to limit their time looking at phones, tablets, and other technological devices, computers, people who are working outside of the home, uh, then come back in the home and continue their work, and it's often on computers, will have children who will exhibit more behavioral problems like acting out, crying, or other negative behaviors. And so this study was done by Brandon McDonald, McDaniel, sorry, Brandon McDaniel, who is a family and consumer sciences assistant professor and author of the study that is to come out this week in the psychology, psychology journal Child Development. And he suggests we need to be mindful of how phones can influence us so that we are the master of the phones instead of the phones being the master of us. The phones are designed to be addictive. Anything that is addictive will make money. Okay, that's the first thing. So Technofriends, which is a term he's coined, is how technology affects interactions between parents and children. And this is one of the first studies of its kind in this developing field of research, because, of course, we're going to have to look at this now because, um, you know, it's starting to be a problem. And when you see so many moms, new moms walking down the street and they've got the bait, you know, one hand on the stroller and one hand on the iPhone, you know, their children's lives are at risk. They're not connecting, they're, they're interrupting their relationship with their child. And so results showed of this study showed that parents who reported problematic or addictive use of technology, so checking the phones off and feeling lost without them or turning to the cell phone when they are lonely, that's um, a big sign of addiction, uh, reported also that their children, uh, their relationships with their children were being interrupted. And so the kids started turning inward with their feelings or exhibiting aggressive behavior like, like crying out and having tantrums. And, you know, that's the thing. Like people who grow up in alcoholic homes or who grew up in alcoholic homes, you know, they, they may have been ignored, uh, you know, or there may have been chaos in the house. Um, and so it's a similar kind of a thing. And this website is, uh, their motto is working to make families stronger. Um, so it also showed that mothers in co-parenting relationships were less satisfied in their relationship when there was more technoference. So it can also impact your intimate relationship. And so we just have to be very mindful of, um, of that we are on, you know, raising kids, raising babies it can be boring for a lot of people. And that's why some people turn to the bottle. We have to be just as mindful about turning to the iPhone. Uh, so this is, um, you know, a lot of healthcare practitioners out there, you need to start talking to your patients as well about the dangers of this. Uh, something I w- have been talking to a lot of my patients about recently is um, family time, having dinner together, sitting down and having dinner together. I have couples in my clinical practice who, you know, they both have anxiety. One might be in denial about it. One is trying to, and I say, how often do you sit down and have dinner? The kids are diagnosed with anxiety or ADHD and and um, and they're not having dinner and having sitting down and having dinner and conversing and, 
you know, being able to reflect and, and stop and slow down and take the time, it's, it's, it demonstrates so much or uh, you model so much when you sit down and have dinner. Um, you, you know, it's a time to chat and to talk about different things. Um, so this is something parents are letting go of. And of course, because we're doing everything for the kids, they get to be involved in every single sports activity and every single art activity as well. And you can't miss out on everything. And a lot of these things are done over the dinner time. So there's no time for parents to sit down, but you've got to limit what you register your kids for. You also, uh, there's also some, um, an article out that was interesting about, um, a UCLA affiliated research study about how much clutter is impacting people's lives. And you know what? I just say a cluttered home, a cluttered mind. Um, but people are keeping their toys, you know, that they've collected, or they've overpurchased toys and saving them for their grandchildren anyway, which are not going to be any good <laughs> by the time the grandchildren come around. But um, these are just a couple of things. You know, take the time to clear out your clutter um, and sit down and have dinner with your kids. I am Maureen McGrath. When I come back, we're going to talk about how to rev things up in the bedroom. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Can you believe we're heading into the last half hour of the show tonight, Matt? Here it we... always goes so quick. I can't believe it. It does. It's really nice. Like, look behind you. It... Good sex flies by. I know it's gorgeous out there. Whew. Lovely pink sky, hot pink sky. It's all about pink. <laughs> it's all about pink. Fifty shades of pink. <laughs> but it's blue too, uh, apparently. I do have this little prize, which I totally forgot to give out. But we, if you're still listening, uh, you can call in 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. This is for the guys. It's called a Pulse 3 Duo. It's the world's first guy braider with pulse plate technology. Um, yeah, I, I listen, you know, I take good feedback and, and, uh, a few times I'd heard that, uh, they have to talk to me though, Matt, there's no getting away with, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> they, um, a couple times I've heard that you felt I was giving away far too many prizes to women. And so I listened and I learned and I turned it around my friends. Uh, so I've got a bunch of, uh, uh, prizes for men out there and um this is the second one last week we gave something away as well and uh so here we go we have jerry on the line well i'm not so sure that uh he has to answer the question okay <laughs> hello jerry how are you i'm really good how are you doing tonight i am fine thank you so you're listening to the program and you <laughs> you called in because you wanted to win the yeah, Pulse 3 Duo. Uh, it's come a long way since uh, Dr. Ruth Westheimer and then Rona Raskin, and I like your program better than all of them put together. So, Oh, you definitely win. <laughs> okay, right. no question. <laughs> That's it. You're the winner. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. easy. <laughs> That's yeah, so... a little, it was a little dry back with uh, the Ruth Westheimer there, but uh, <laughs> it was kind of cutting edge at the time. Yes, of course. Yeah, they were. I I stand on the shoulders of giants, though they were all wonderful. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so well, thank you so much. Well, I was going to have you, you know, going to test you, but no, I like what <laughs> I like what you had to say. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to the program, Jerry. Yeah, thank you for uh, doing all your hard work there. Oh, you're very welcome. Anytime. Okay, so um, well, there you go. There was a guy who expressed his feelings. <laughs> And that can be a problem if you don't express your feelings. Um, and men are not taught to express their feelings. They're taught to, 
you know, man up and uh, don't cry and don't tell anybody and don't say anything. Be tough and be strong. Well, that can get you into a little trouble, especially in a marriage that isn't going in the direction in which you'd like and you end up with a divorce. We often hear about the suffering of the woman. The woman loses social status uh, because, and she also finds it difficult to socialize because she often has the kids. Um, she may suffer from a loss of confidence and also economic security, especially if she wasn't working outside of the home um, and may have difficulty getting a job because she's been away from the workplace for a while. So there's lots of issues, and we hear all about that, about the women, but we rarely hear about the men's stories of divorce. And, uh, you know, there's some conventional wisdom out there that men come out better from divorce than women do and that they pick themselves up more quickly. I mean, I think they rebound a little bit. I have to say they, I, it seems as though they get into marriages, second marriages or third marriages a little bit more quickly. Um, and it's, it seems that they cope with the loss of their children in a way that most women find shocking, but that's not necessarily, um, the case, but we, we see, we believe that they move on to new lives and, and new wives and new children and out with the old and in with the new, but that's definitely not, um, the story necessarily. I've been seeing a lot of men in my clinical practice and we've, uh, lately who have been divorced or getting divorced. And, uh, you know, sometimes guys will sign away parental rights. That's one thing I want to say, never do that. Even though, even if you think, oh, it's the best thing for the child and it'll just be easier and sometimes you get overwhelmed and, and you know, there's one guy I suggested uh, he not do that. I begged him, please do not do that. And he did it anyway and he lived to regret it. He went, ended up going to court. He was actually had some alcohol use and abuse issues and he became sober a few years later and his child was, you know, people think rock bottom is uh, ending up on the downtown east side. Not necessarily. Uh, everybody's rock bottom is their own. And this, this gentleman's rock bottom was he was, he had given up his parental rights. He, um, he was seeing his son in supervised visits in a, in a, in a safe, unsavory area of town. And he, um, the son had to go there as well. And the son was four years old. And he'd been doing this for about a year. And the little boy turned around and he said, Miss you, Dad. And the man never drank again, never took another drink. And he got sober and he heard from his uh, a few people that he would get everything back. And he uh, had to go to court and it cost him thousands of dollars, but he did get everything back, uh, everything except for his ex-wife. But he did get the child and another job and, and things went well. You know, we see oftentimes addiction will... Um, contribute to the breakup of a marriage and, and people don't know what is going on. We've seen a few celebrities have uh, marriage marital breakups and then talk later about their substance use and abuse issues. And so this can be a big problem, but that's not necessarily always the case. Sometimes people are, you know, men are in marriages and they have absolutely no skills, no techniques, no strategies to deal with conflict. Uh, to deal with um, overpowering women or, or maybe women who use sex to control their lives or, um, you know, if they have financial problems or whatever. And, 
you know, so men often um, miss their children in a way that they didn't realize, or men often are traumatized by the divorce because they're unable to express the feelings and um, process what they have gone through and what they have lost. And so this is, um, you know, this is very uh, closely tied to the things that I see patients struggling with in my clinical practice. And one of those is not being able to communicate what you need. And so a lot of these guys were not able to communicate what they needed in the relationship at the time, in the marriage, when they were married. And then they certainly are not able to communicate what happened afterward. And a lot of the guys I see end up with some substance abuse issues afterward or anxiety and depression, stigma, because there's still a stigma associated with divorce. It's sort of that F word, the big failure. Uh, And that's how people perceive it, or you think that people perceive it that way. But it's sort of like, oh, you know, I was married before. I was married two or three times before, whatever. You know, when people say that, people are just like, oh. And it, it seems to conjure something up in people's heads. And it's not necessarily true. You know, certain unions don't work out. That's just the fact of life. But uh, if people dealt with some of the issues that they had in the relationship, it may not lead to parting ways. And of course, if you don't deal with the issues in your relationship, you're going to bring that same baggage to the next relationship. I don't care what she or he is like. Uh, those same issues are going to happen again and again. And you see that uh, oftentimes people marrying repeatedly and and even the you know the ex-wives are become friends because they have the same issues to deal with you know the the new love i mean really the new attraction the new love or whatever it doesn't it's really no different than the last one um especially if you're not a different man than you were before and in order to become a different man than you were in the first marriage you actually have to address in a, uh, you know, really take it seriously, do the work, live through four seasons at least, uh, do the work in terms of dealing with whatever issue you have that contributed to the relationship. I often say to couples, uh, I don't want to hear any blame about the other person. I am not interested in what they did. I am interested in what you did, what you did to contribute to the downfall of that marriage. I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath here hosting this program for you. Do you have hangups in the bedroom? A lot of people do, you know, and they come and see people like me. Or um, maybe now you, Matt. I don't know that. You're a sex broadcaster extraordinaire assistant. No, <laughs> no, no, no. You need to go and see somebody qualified in the field. I may have called you, called myself an assistant to other people before. <laughs> Okay, you got to check every reference, all right? Um, but no, people have a lot of uh, hang-ups in the bedroom, and that's one thing people come to see me with. And I, you know, sex is to be enjoyed. Sex is about pleasure. I, I was speaking to about 250 women yesterday. A few men were in there, too. Um, but I said, how many of you were taught by your mothers about pleasure? And not one hand went up. And, you know, that's a shame, really. Um, so once again, the guys are cornered the market on that, but, uh, so that, that gives a false perception that, that pleasure is only important for men. And that is definitely not the case. And, and so that's why communication, I hate to say it is really important. And so if you don't understand that pleasure is vital for, uh, healthy sexuality, uh, it will actually contribute to your ability to communicate effectively. So as I say, if you can't touch yourself, who can you touch? 
um, then, uh, you know, that's important to be able to touch yourself, to know what feels good, what uh, doesn't feel good, what you like, what you don't like, um, and being able to communicate that openly. That's why we have to de-shroud sex from the shame in which it is clo- cloaked. Uh, uh, we, it, there's really a lot of shame around it. And it actually sounds really simple, but it's it's really complex to talk about sexuality and your sensuality and what feels good because people are littered with guilt and shame and historical trauma and fear and we are socialized to avoid these conversations if i do nothing else for you please try and start talking about sex with your partners and what feels good and that uh, learn how to give pleasure and receive pleasure and, you know, people are not mind readers. They can't actually say what is going on in your mind um, unless you tell them. Something else that I think is really important that I spend a lot of time on and with patients in my clinical practice is, is explaining basic anatomy and physiology sometimes. Uh, calling the particular body parts by their right names um, it's it's really important. You know, things like how long does it take the female genitalia to become erect and gorged and aroused? Uh, can a non-erect penis reach climax? So we really need to understand the female sexual response cycle, the male sexual response cycle, because this is where some of the problems um, arise. I had a guy in the office recently just newly into the dating and sex scene, and he was wondering how long... Should he take before he touches his partner's genitalia, and and uh, and where should he touch uh, the female partner's genitalia? So, you know, these are important questions, and they underscore the importance of basic sexuality education because that can dramatically improve sex, and dare I say, prevent health problems as well. We all struggle with shame and desire on some level, and a lot of women come into my practice feeling that there's something wrong with them because they don't feel any sexual desire, or sex feels like a chore, and they say they would rather mop the floor than have sex. I hear that so often. There are age-related or medically-caused reasons for low sexual desire, and uh, so it's not something that you lose Uh, as you age, but it can be associated with certain things as you age. Medication side effects can, uh, and a lot of people are on antidepressants, but antidepressants can actually knock out the sex drive. Um, And also just understanding that receptive willingness or responsive desire versus sexual desire being the first part of that female sexual response cycle. Um, and also frequently what women desire and find arousing is not just sex. It's the intimacy and closest with their partner. And that really frustrates the partner. So that desire discrepancy is another issue. And there's that mismatched sex drive uh, is a big problem. And also uh, something else I wanted to say is a lot of guys come into my clinical practice or, or women come in and they tell me that their male partner has erectile dysfunction and they don't want to um, have sex with a guy that has a flaccid penis. I mean, really? Wow, what a shocker. No, but I mean, guys, you got to deal with your erectile dysfunction. It's not attractive. It's not appealing. And and so many guys are just like, like, what's the big deal? I mean, honestly, I see such a discrepancy in this um, 
this perception of this, but this is a medical problem. It's an issue. It's going to affect your sex life. And, and do not expect a woman to want to have sex with you or perform oral sex if you have erectile dysfunction, if you have a flaccid penis and you're not doing anything about it. That is equally as frustrating. Uh, not having enough time to make sex intimate. You know, the quickies are fabulous, but, you know, sometimes you got to schedule sex. You schedule paying your bills. You schedule everything else. Um, so you want to pop this in to the calendar and, uh, and it's, it's vitally important. So I also see lots of women with primary anorgasmia, secondary anorgasmia, struggling with negative body image, not able to express their sexual health concerns, not having the right language, not having the right, not knowing what to say. Uh, many issues happen like vaginismus, which is sort of a spasmodic pain during intercourse or vulvodynia, which is more generalized pain ranging, uh, uh, pain ranging from the vulva onward, and this endometriosis, other gynecological issues. Anyway, there's all sorts of, um, of problems that uh, you can face in the bedroom, um, struggling to be vulnerable. This is a, um, it's a big problem for a lot of people. When, when couples deal with emotional in- issues or past uh, emotional baggage, they have difficulty unwinding and then connecting with each other through the different senses. And I mean, even just a simple act of looking into each other's eyes can be a, a very connecting and it can bring up your vulnerability. And But we're so uncomfortable with people looking straight at us, seeing us raw, seeing us open, seeing our, seeing our fat hanging out over the bed, <laughs> seeing whatever, having the imperfect body that we all have, quite frankly. Um, but, you know, you, you may want to start a little tantric uh, exercises that may help uh, with some of those things, uh, some of that uh, ability to just let it all hang out and, um, and explore and play and have fun and change positions. And I didn't get to how to be a better lover, so I'm going to have to get to that next week. But we've got all the, the basic anatomy and physiology taken care of for you. Um, so that's, we set the foundation this week and then next week, if you tune in, uh, we're going to learn about, uh, how you can be the best lover possible and how you can be creative and playful in the bedroom and improve your sex life because ultimately that's what this is all about, this, this program. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of information that you need before you can, uh, have that confidence. It's amazing how many people, have uh, confidence in the bedroom and how many don't. You know, you think everybody, a lot of women think that men just have it all going on and that they're so self-confident and they're, um, that they're, they're really the sexual beings and, and women are afraid to express their sexuality. This isn't for everybody. This is just some people. Anyway, so we've covered a lot tonight. Matt, thanks again and uh, congratulations on your new status. Thank you as, very much. Um, the graduate of the broadcasting school. Of course, I never went. <laughs> No kidding, huh? <laughs> I remember when I first started, I, I said, you sound a little nervous. I said, I am. Well, I never went to broadcasting school. And they're like, oh, forget it. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I would, I'd love to have broadcasting school under my belt, to be honest. So it's, it's a great accomplishment. I, uh, I, I namaste, my friend. Uh, so let's see. This week I am talking at the 6th uh, Annual 60 Plus Lifestyle Expo on Friday, June 9th. I think it's about one o'clock in the afternoon. 
And um, so I'm looking forward to seeing you folks out there. We're going to be talking about uh, dating and companionship after the death of a spouse or separation, divorce in the 65 plus age group. And you thought people over the age of 35 didn't have sex. Well, you're wrong. Anyway, you can uh, go to my website. All this information is on there. Everything about the Mona Lisa Touch treatment, the laser treatment for vaginal dryness. Uh, My TEDx talk is on there. The no sex marriage, masturbation, cheating, loneliness, and shame. We're up to 3.75 million views now, Matt. (laughs) 100,000 since last week. I'm shooting for 4 million by July 7th. So uh, anyway, not that it means anything, but I do do Skype consults now as a result of that. If you uh, would like a Skype consult, I'm happy to do that. You can always email me, sextalk at cknw.com, and you can always go to my website too. I have a contact form there. Remember, when you stumble on this gravel road of life, make it part of your dance and have a sexually healthy week. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. It is always my pleasure to be with you and to... Uh, uh, have the honor and uh, to come onto the airways and sit behind the mic and and talk to you. So feel free to email me any questions at all. I was uh, I almost went out there a little too early, but uh, <laughs> um, the uh, email me any questions at all gives me a little more time to talk. Uh, how fabulous is that? Um, anyway, back to the bedroom is a contact form on there. You can ask me any questions at all. And um, you know what? Just address your issues and uh, and take life as it comes. Remember, when you stumble on this gravel road of life, make it part of your dance. I am Maureen McGrath, and you have been listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.